We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artestis jumped over the scorer's table. Artestis in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, June 13th. Nick Whalen here. With James Anderson, James, we have Game Six of the NBA Finals happening tonight, about eight hours from now, as we sit down to record at noon Central Time. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that whatsoever. Uh, I think there are a number of NBA podcasts that have covered uh, all the finals happenings, and, and weirdly, it's just been kind of a a lackluster series as far as NBA Finals go. And there's just not that much to talk about right now. So we're going to do mostly NBA draft. Uh, something you and I do every year leading up to the draft. Of course, we're a week away from the big night at the Barclays Center next Thursday. Uh, But first, I want to talk a little bit about some of the free agency decisions coming up, namely Anthony Davis, talk a little Kyrie. Um, But yesterday afternoon, we we finally have some tangible movement, I think, on the Davis front. Uh, The LA Times, uh, Mark Stein with the New York Times, Woj, of course, um, all kind of collaboratively 
reporting that New Orleans has seemingly narrowed its focus to Boston and the Lakers. I think the Clippers, the Nets, the Knicks uh, are still very much in play. Davis himself, uh, via a kind of strange Rich Paul profile in SI, um, has clarified that the Knicks and the Lakers are, are still his top two destinations. The Bucks have apparently uh, been dropped from the list. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like it's Boston and the Lakers, and, and I know this kills you, but it, it does seem that based on the reporting yesterday, the Lakers are the team that's in the driver's seat, or at least being a little bit more aggressive in pursuing Davis. Well, I think it's it's either David Griffin is just the smartest guy ever, and he's letting these rumors sort of develop in hopes of driving up the price uh, from like the non-Lakers teams, uh, mainly the Celtics and the Clippers, or he's not close to as good of a general manager as uh, we've sort of all assumed and said throughout the years, because uh, this is just, if, if it really is kind of, um, closing in on a Lakers deal. I mean, this is just horrible, horrible bargaining by him. Uh, the The fact that Brandon Ingram could be the sort of clear headliner in this deal makes zero sense to me on on a variety of levels. Uh, you know, first and foremost, like I just think Brandon Ingram's a, a horrible long term fit with Zion, uh, and then you kind of couple the fact that you basically have to pay him uh, probably number three starter money on a good team very soon and kind of lock him in at a contract that might not be good at all like it just it's it's a very unappealing headlining piece so um I just I I feel like he's either kind of playing all of us in the hopes that the Clippers will actually put their best stuff on the table and the and the Celtics will put their best stuff on the table or he's going to take a deal that is going to be about half as good as the one that Magic Johnson was offering uh, a couple months ago. So I, I just I want to see how this plays out, but it's it's really bizarre. Like you can't even get them to include Kuzma. I'd, I'd rather have Kuzma in the deal well, than Ingram personally. Like it just Ingram's just a horrible fit with Zion. I agree with you on that. I mean, you have an extra year with Kuzma that you don't have with Ingram as At well much in terms less of contract. Like I mean, like it's just right draft slot, just a better asset period really to me if you're the pelicans when i think you know you had it right i mean some would argue that if you acquire brandon ingram you know maybe zion's a bad fit with him um if ingram becomes your centerpiece (laughs) well (laughs) um no i'm kidding but if you're you're building around zion going forward you still have drew holiday you know he's he's there to at least bridge the gap i think from the davis era to the zion era and there's no you know there's not a, a more perfect guard i think to do that but you know, you're this is Zion's team long term, and everything is going to revolve around him. And you've made the point the last couple of days that you just did. You know, Ingram is a terrible fit. Kuzma's not a great player by any means. I, I would take the under on one All Star game for his career. Yeah, but he's at least the type of guy who you can kick to in the corner. He has good size. He puts an effort at least on defense. Um, he's a it, he's a good fit with Zion. Right, he's a good fit with just about any you know type of team in in the modern NBA. And I think the hope with Zion is that he eventually becomes the type of all-around player that you don't necessarily have to worry about having four perfect fits around him uh, but right now you know I mean he's in, in some ways you know kind of a a mini younger Giannis where you know the jump shot is there as a threat but I think teams are going to dare him to shoot that next year for, and they're going to be more right. than happy to let Zion launch four or five threes a game for the next improves. for yeah for like the next yeah, not just five next years game. probably their teams right. are going to be giving him threes and like with with Brandon Ingram I think 
he needs to be your worst shooter. And with Zion, he needs to be your worst shooter. So yes. you can't combine them and just have two guys where the team, the other team is just daring them to shoot. I mean, I think mm-hmm. like a best case scenario with Ingram is that he really, really like studies the game of, of Chris Middleton and stops falling in love with 19 footers and starts falling in love with 23 footers. Right. Like that's the dream scenario, but there's no proof that that's, in his game yet and uh there's just he needs i think he's at his best the times when we've seen the best flashes of brandon ingram have been when he's been the primary ball handler and i think with zion you're going to want to run a lot of stuff through him as the primary ball handler and so if both those guys are best with the ball in their hands and both these guys are not good shooters it's just a a horrible horrible fit Mm -hmm. uh i think like Lonzo Ball to me would be an excellent fit next to Drew Holiday. I mean, that could be the best defensive backcourt in the league, and both those guys are are pretty versatile, switching from one to two. Uh, I think that that's a great fit. Uh, I think Kuzma would be a great fit. I think uh, there are guys that they could take with the number four overall pick that would be good fits. But I just I would not even want Brandon Ingram in the deal at all really i mean if if he was in the deal it would need to be part of a three-team trade where ingram's going to a different team and so i just i'm waiting to see if this is actually legitimate if they are really kind of closing in on this package because it's it's very bizarre to me i think that the clippers just just with uh, i mean i know these guys don't have the same sort of draft pedigree but just if they if it was shea gilders alexander and Landry Shamit and a future pick, I'd rather have that deal. And there's no reporting that suggests the Clippers have even made uh, that package available. Maybe they're trying to really kind of lowball the, the Lakers, and that's why they've sort of fallen out of it. But if, if David Griffin really prefers this Lakers package to the best package the Clippers could put together, I really have to question his uh, evaluation skills. I, I like the Chris Middleton point that you made with ingram but i think it's worth noting for middleton that like it took a coaching change and budenholzer basically saying this is how you're going to play mm-hmm. or we're slashing your minutes you know like it, guys do not want to change what they think has been successful for them and of course middleton has had considerably more success than than brandon ingram but the other thing with ingram is he's going into what year four now and he's still super young from a, from a you know overall developmental standpoint but you're basically only getting one year before you have to start thinking about his future you know this isn't a situation where even with Lonzo, you know, you have a couple years to evaluate. And if in 2022, it doesn't work out and Lonzo walks, you don't feel great about it, but you know, you gave it a chance. Whereas with Ingram, like you basically have one year to see how he fits. And if it doesn't go great and you don't think he's a part of the future, all of a sudden the headliner in this deal that you got for Anthony Davis, you know, one of the five best players in the league, it can walk right out the door or you, you know, in theory would let him walk. So Ingram to me just seems too too risky I guess to be the headliner I I think Davis is too good of a player I I think you can do better elsewhere I I do wonder how long they're going to take this because you know the general belief and and Griffin I think hinted at this in a woe story either earlier this week or late last week that they want this done by the draft so they can make presumably make that number four overall pick if it's the Lakers or whatever picks the Celtics would send or you know there's been talks of maybe getting Phoenix's pick at number six involved. Basically, they want to they want to have at least a couple days, you would think, to to prepare for whatever extra picks they might have on top of number one. And, you know, what, what that throws into for Boston is even though Kyrie officially opted out of his player option, they can't they can't officially execute a deal, you know, until July 1st. 
So at that point, you know, you're, you're talking after the draft, you'd have to have these kind of handshake agreements. You're mm-hmm. taking this guy for us. And, and it just becomes that much more complicated, which to me, it already seems like LA has the momentum, whether they should or not. Um, and then, you know, this Kyrie designated player contract situation kind of, kind of pulls a little more momentum, momentum, I should say in favor of LA. Yeah. I just, I don't want to, I think it's, it's either really bad, stuff by griffin or really brilliant stuff yeah and i'm just there's no in between give him the benefit of the doubt until it's actually done i mean this could just be some of the best negotiating of all time to kind of make it public like we want this done before the draft yeah even if you uh don't necessarily want it done before the draft like it's it could just be really good stuff by him but i i i feel like he's so used to kind of cooperating with what uh like rich paul wants and stuff like that that this sort of seems like kind of more of the same of like you know we don't want to upset these guys we're gonna kind of do whatever you know do right by them and just sort of stay on their good side um you know you don't have to do that obviously but it sort of seems like this is where that's headed because why else would you uh make it so that you're you're kind of giving the Lakers all mm-hmm. the upper hands in, in this uh, negotiation. Uh, again, I I think the Celtics can make – I'd rather have just Jalen Brown than this Lakers package. I'd rather have uh, a Shea and, and Shamit package. Um, and so I just – I'm hoping that he's he's just kind of negotiating really, really well, but if he actually does prefer the, the Brandon Ingram package, mm-hmm. I'd rather go into the season with Davis and trade him at the trade deadline than s- settle for that Lakers package. So it seems like they want Ingram regardless. Do you think the Lakers, when push comes to shove, will be willing to throw Kuzma into the deal if they have to? The, the LA Times reported yesterday that there's a belief that if the if the Lakers are willing to include Kuzma, the Pelicans apparently want him so badly that they would allow the Lakers to keep the number four pick if they're willing to throw Kuzma in instead. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, I don't see how the Lakers – could not do this deal strictly because of Kuzma holding it up. But if, I mean, if, if is David Griffin seriously getting out negotiated, uh, by Linda Kurt Rambis and, and co like <laughs> Linda Rambis, like, is this seriously happening? I, I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. Um, I, you know, the Ingram piece, the fact that he, they somehow want him, it's it's really kind of throwing a whole wrench into this because I just I can't believe they want him this bad. But um, I mean, a Ball Kuzma number four pick package, it's not as good as the Clippers and Celtics have to offer. But at least it's it's you can kind of see how those pieces fit around Zion and Drew Holiday. Uh, mm-hmm. Although that is that would be kind of a crowded. And then you you don't know what they would do with the number four pick. I think it's clear from all the reporting that the Pelicans don't like the players they expect to be available at four. So right. I just I don't really see whoever goes four ending up on the Pelicans roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they think that poorly of who's available at four, then I guess it would make sense that they would be fine taking Kuzma over that right. pick. But to me, the number four of all pick has more value than Kyle Kuzma does on the open market, or at least it, it right. should to me. I, I I know people are all over the place on what they think of the players available at four, but uh, I mean, I guess I don't, I again, I just don't want to say that I believe any of this until it actually happens. Well, the Pelicans have basically put it out there that 
you know, I think David Griffin, you know, essentially said, you know, this could be a three-team deal. Um, and then that kind of hammers home the point that they don't love the options at four. I think they want, they kind of want another team to do the legwork of, you know, basically the Lakers, you know, who hold the number four pick, trading number four for someone else or, you know, setting that deal up so it can be done either as, you know, two separate transactions or as one three-team deal to get another, I guess, NBA-ready player. And, you know, we've seen a lot of a lot of names have been tossed around. None of them really jump out to me. Um, I think Greg Doyle from the Indy Star threw out DeMontis Sabonis. That was like one of the least egregious ones, I guess, that you could trade up, you know, straight up in theory for number four. Zach Levine, I think, was another one that was raised. It's just it's really, really hard to gauge that value, um, especially when you're talking about someone like Levine, who's objectively a good player statistically, but obviously has a ton of faults and is making a ton of money and you'd have to make that work um it, I, it just makes me wonder like what is the pelicans goal for I, next season i will say i'd rather i think i'd <laughs> i don't, I'm, i might prefer having zach levine than brandon ingram so i think they're pretty comparable in terms of value i mean the money obviously i, I think is, the fit i like i guess if i'm the pelicans i think i'd rather have levine uh, on a lot of teams i'd rather have ingram but i think levine at least you can see how he fits uh, next to Zion, and he fits pretty well next to Drew, considering Drew's yeah. really good at defense. And I mean, that would be an extremely terrible. fun team. Uh, but yeah, it's just I don't see how like Sabonis. I think he, uh, in in many people's eyes, might be more valuable than the number four pick. Um, I don't. I think the argument there is they don't know if they want to pay him long term, and this is right. kind of the way out. You really the the key to team building with a guy like Zion is you want as many good players who fit around that player who also line up sort of contractually with where you know you don't want to be uh, signing a bunch of guys on their second deals next to him because those guys are going to be there for like three or four years, and then they could all leave by the time. Uh, like you kind of have a seven-year window with Zion and you want as many guys to be in that seven-year window with him as possible mm-hmm. um did you read that SI piece on Rich Paul it was very long no I did not there there was a weird a couple quotes in there that that struck me um you know I'll kind of try to paraphrase like he to me the Clippers are arguably the best basketball fit for Davis you know mm-hmm. you get the city of LA you're, you're presuming that there's a pretty good chance Kawhi Leonard maybe ends up there Davis and Kawhi with with Kevin Durant, you know, out for for almost all, if not the entirety of next season. Um, that's the best duo in the NBA by default. And yeah, they could win the finals if, they, if would, they got Davis. I would argue that they would be the favorite to win the finals because they could. I mean, they could execute that trade by giving up, like you said, Shea, Shamit. You probably have to throw some future picks out there, and and it seems like um, New Orleans doesn't value that quite as highly as the Lakers package or you know what that article kind of painted the picture is that rich paul just doesn't even want to entertain that you know he was there were some kind of strange quotes about you know the lakers mystique the knicks mystique there was no mention of the clippers wait i thought anthony davis just wanted to win he just wants to win which is why he wants yeah. to go to the knicks yeah. a winning franchise Look, no exactly he just wants to win. that's kind of the point is he's he's kind of going back on the message that <laughs> that they put out there back in january and you know the the reporter sl price i think was his name um you know there was at one point where he more or less kind of straight up broached the question of like, you know, how do you handle LeBron's demands versus your other clients? And, you know, Rich Paul had this quote that like, well, you know, I, I do technically work for LeBron, but I'm, I'm working in the best interest of Anthony Davis. And if his interests happen to overlap with LeBron's, then everybody's a winner. And like, I feel like that's kind of the, the direction that Rich Paul 
at least is steering Anthony Davis. And we, it seems like Davis is willing to go along with it. You know, I don't, I don't think he's, he's holding him hostage and saying you have to go to LA, but the fact that the Clippers just don't really seem to be in the mix here to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. And and in that article, like basically Rich Paul's reasoning for the focusing on the Lakers was the same reason that the Lakers themselves have put out there these last five years as to why they should <laughs> yeah. get free agents. It's basically because we're the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I saw George Mikan's name brought up in one of the poll quotes. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. It was, it was like, well, look at all the other centers they've like, had. You'd be the next. Okay. Like, um, that was what we heard when Dwight Howard went there. So I don't think anyone should trust the people running the Lakers to put together a championship caliber team, even if they had like to me, LeBron and Anthony Davis without all these young guys, like that's a, probably a playoff team but it's not a uh surefire like going to the finals team even without kevin durant i would still take the remaining warriors over that team uh well i was going to ask you like what does the rest of the team look like like let's say they give up terrible players whether kuzma's there or not (laughs) like you either have kuzma or the number four pick one of those two maybe you flip number four for you know a decent average nba starter whoever that might be um no one is really under contract. The The only players that are un, right now under contract next season are Mo Wagner, Josh Hart, Isaac Bonga, and technically Kuzma, who we don't even know will be on the team. So you have like two and a half starters, basically, with, with Davis, LeBron, and then Hart. You can pencil Andre Ingram in at the two, I would imagine. There's no point guard on the roster whatsoever. So it seems like you'd end up piecing this team together similarly to how you know lebron put together those miami teams similarly to how last year's lakers team was put together and you know i think you can get the token veterans who are going to sign up to play in la to play with lebron and davis you know to to ring chase but that strategy of of roster building has come back to bite other teams in the past even the warriors you know to some degree with all the injuries i i just think that they're going to end up sacrificing a ton of depth which was an issue for them last year when they only had lebron yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't want to sort of to seem like we don't buy that Davis wants to go to the Lakers. Like I, I think you don't hire Rich Paul if you don't want to go to the Lakers. Like mm-hmm. clearly that was a move intended to get him to the Lakers. But it's just like, sure, you could say like I want to go to the Lakers, play with LeBron, I want to win. But going to the Knicks certainly doesn't line up with wanting to win and going to the Lakers over the Clippers with Kawhi sort of seems like it's not necessarily about winning so maybe he just wants to be a Laker for whatever reason I don't we have no idea why um, somebody tweeted this yesterday and it never really crossed my mind but I think it's a pretty solid comparison like is it starting to remind you of the Dwight Howard situation like did it ever really seem to you like Dwight Howard was dying to be a Laker um, I mean, Kobe in this scenario is LeBron, you know, where it's like on paper, this should be great. I don't want to compare. I don't want to do that to AD. I mean, he's a much, I think he's a better player right now and a more versatile player right now than Dwight was at the time. But um, I mean, Dwight was considered a top three or four guy at the time of the deal. Obviously things went downhill pretty quickly. I just, I'd, I'd wish that like, I have no problem with players doing anything that they want to do. I just I feel like I'd like to hear Anthony Davis like say like what he's looking yes. for beyond just like phrases like I just want to win like just explain like explain I think he what thought people would be like oh that's great for. he wants to like, win like, we'll like just... 
what are you, what, why, why are you, because he did include like the Bucks initially, which right. like lines up with wanting if you to win. win. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder if he threw them on there knowing that there was nothing they could really right, do to get sure. him as like, like, hey, it's not just about what's the, the best team I can throw on here that can't get me that will make people think I want to win. Right. Like they did the number, they did the math. Like we have to make right. absolutely sure there's no way they can get you. It does seem like, because he would be, you know, if he went to the Bucks, he would be the second best player. If he went to the Lakers, I think everyone would sort of view him, at least in the short term, as the second best player. Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't think he necessarily mind, minds being the second best player. If he played yeah. with Kawhi, he would be the second best player. I think with the Lakers, you're talking him into this succession plan, you know, as LeBron eventually hands I, the torch off. How can you, like, I, I just don't understand why me. any player wants to go to the lakers no offense it just seems like a offense taken it just seems like a lifelong lakers fan like maybe the worst situation you could go to in terms of things possibly um kind of just completely coming back and you being a scapegoat in the situation right and and i get you know that davis doesn't right now at least control his own destiny you know he's trying through the media as much as he can but I, I just I don't know I have a hard time believing that LeBron has this like gravitational pull that Davis just needs to play with him like especially well, when there are so many other good options out so there. So I would if I were uh, if I were the Clippers and again this still comes back to does David Griffin not like their best package but like let's just say that David Griffin was smart and wanted that package they can put together including that Toronto pick right like. They have uh, don't the Clippers have that? I think uh, they have that Miami pick. Or yeah, that, that's what I meant. The the that's like, that's the most Miami valuable pick. of all those. Like you, if if you could do shade the Miami pick and uh, sham it, like that's just an amazing haul. And I I think you do that in a heartbeat. But if like you're the Clippers, I would and you let's say you're the Clippers and you think you can get Kawhi, I would part with all those guys for AD in a heartbeat because. I just can't picture him playing on that Clippers team, winning like 55 games, and then the next season being like, I want to go play on that Lakers team right. that we were way better than <laughs> last year. Like, exactly. I just can't picture him making that move. Yes. So uh, I would be willing to make that sort of Toronto Kawhi gamble. It's a different type yes. of gamble. You're giving up way more than Toronto gave up to get Kawhi, but... Uh, if you're getting Kawhi and Davis, it's to me there's almost less risk. You have a better you have a better product on the floor for that one year than Toronto did this past year. Maybe I, I mean they, I, yeah. I mean Kawhi uh, and Davis is a ridiculous combination. But who are there? Who rounds out that starting lineup? I mean it it wouldn't yeah, be as well, complete of a team. You're as in that Raptors same team. argument as the Lakers at that point. But I I feel like I trust the Clippers to be smart and surround those guys with the mm-hmm. right talent i don't trust the lakers to do that whatsoever right um yeah i mean it, it's it's gonna be fascinating to see how it unfolds i just mm-hmm. if if they seriously take a lonzo ball brandon ingram um whatever mediocre piece they happening. flip for darius garland like that is just a catastrophic deal for the Pelicans, in my opinion. Okay, I I get where you're coming from. I don't think it's catastrophic. If you end up with Ingram Ball, the number four pick, another future pick, you know, Kuzma, maybe Hart ends up in there. Like that's not catastrophic. Well, catastrophic no, but is I, getting Jakob Pertl and no, DeMar but I wasn't. I wasn't including Kuzma because we don't know Kuzma's going. I wasn't including Hart because there's been no reporting that Hart. Yeah, well, in that that, that leads me to believe that he just played so badly at the end of last year, and I know he was banged up that they just don't want him. 
but I would still take them. Yeah, like, I, I would, would be milking them, the Lakers yeah. for everything, um, especially since it was already on the table. I think it to me it would be catastrophic because a you had a much better package from the Lakers on the table uh, three months ago. Yeah. B like I think the Celtics can top that package easily i think the clippers can top that package easily so that's where i'm going with it being catastrophic like i it just seems like they are not using the leverage at their disposal to get the best package and and or they're completely misevaluating uh brandon ingram and just how valuable a piece he is on his next deal i think it's clear that griffin's pretty high on lonzo too i think that's fine i think lonzo is the best piece in that deal uh, pretty easily just when you factor in um years of team control right. and just the fit next to zion I, I think lonzo is a good piece to go after it's just sort of the willingness for ingram to be the clear first or second piece with lonzo mm-hmm. in that deal that just doesn't make any sense to me so boston has the trump card in tatum even though all every message is if he goes to Boston, he's walking. We've seen other free agents say the same thing and not walk. If you're Danny Ainge, would you put Tatum on the table? If if Griffin said, you give us Tatum as the centerpiece, we'll do this deal right now. Uh, I think I think I would, assuming that you get some sort of assurance from Kyrie that he'll come back uh, and play with AD. Uh, just because I think even without Tatum, if you go Kyrie, AD, Jalen Brown, Hayward, Horford, I think you could win a title next year with that team. And I think if you don't trade for AD, you're definitely losing Kyrie. And then you're kind of like, I don't know. The, well, at that point, does Horford walk? Like, like are you, you the are you battling with Indiana for the four seed next year? I think you're battling with Brooklyn. Like Indiana, you're, yeah. you're all of a sudden sort of in the middle of the East instead of <clears throat> the top of the East, and you're just kind of right. Like, what are you what are you trying to do now? Like, it, it just sort of seems yeah. like they would be without a much of an avenue to becoming right. a title contender uh, if they didn't make that move yeah. for AD. So I, I think I would do it. I also think Jalen Brown plus the Kings pick is a better package than that Lakers package. I think Jalen Brown is just a – like the, the idea of a Jalen Brown, Zion, Drew Holiday, like the defensive upside of that trio to me is just mm-hmm. through the roof. And, and I think he complements – like there's not really much overlap between Drew and Jalen and Zion. I think that those three would fit really well together. So that deal would still mm-hmm. be really appealing to me. But I think if – if they insisted on it, I would I would probably be okay with including Tatum if I was Danny Ainge. I think I think Boston fans would be willing to forgive Kyrie too if it means getting <laughs> Davis back. Like it would just kind of be like hitting the reset. Like maybe you know, and part of the deal with you know if you're sending Tatum and you know maybe Smart or Hayward, someone has to go with him. It's not just going to be Tatum for Davis right. straight up. Is you clear a little bit of the clutter that caused mm. these issues last year? Like in theory. You know, if, if Rozier's gone, if Tatum is gone and, you know, smart or, you know, one other core player, all of a sudden maybe you don't have these overcrowding issues and, you know, role responsibility issues that maybe led to a lot of this last year. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of it got pinned on Kyrie and, and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, I think if you kind of reduce the number of mouths to feed, there's an argument to be made that he'd maybe be more willing to fall in line. Let me throw this out there as a, a number four pick uh, trade. Would you... Would you rather have the number four pick or McCall Bridges? 
Ooh, that's a really good one. That would I, be a relatively easy one to do salary-wise. Because I think Bridges would just be a dream fit for the Pelicans. Yeah. And I think like a Garland-Booker backcourt yeah. would be pretty I think pretty that's, that's the best one I've heard. That's really good. I, I think both teams would do that. But the thing with the Lakers is you need you need New Orleans to sign off. You know, you're right. I mean, is, is there any chance that New Orleans just wants it doesn't seem like that based on the fact that, you know, they've kind of said, see if you can flip number four, but like I wouldn't hate having Darius Garland to develop no. alongside Drew Holiday. Like no, that's not a that's bad an option. awesome fit. That's a really awesome right. fit. And and off ball, Garland would be perfect next to Zion if you have Holiday right. on one side and Garland on the other side. That's that's a really yeah. Nice so then it becomes a question of Garland or whoever else you're taking at four versus Bridges. It does. It just really does seem like you said that the Pelicans really don't care for the players available at four. Yeah. Someone threw out Josh Jackson for number four. <laughs> I think we just need to take a moment to acknowledge <laughs> that well, Phoenix would do that deal well. before the sentence is even out. Yeah. You want to talk um, about bad fits next to Zion? Yeah. Bad fits next to anybody. <laughs> uh, I wrote down a couple. In, uh, under the umbrella of you know who would the Lakers fill in around Davis and LeBron, and the same argument applies to the Clippers too, and to some degree the Celtics. Who, if there is an argument for why Davis should go there even for a year, it's that it would be him and Kyrie. Kyrie's not as right. good as Kawhi or LeBron, but you have a much better supporting cast in place than either the Clippers or the Lakers would after the steal. Well, the difference between the Lakers and those two teams is the the Clippers have shown their probably maybe the best team in the league at cobbling together uh, a lot of quality players on the cheap and the Celtics certainly have shown an ability to build a pretty deep roster the Lakers the Hornets too the the Lakers have like they're those two teams are on one end of the spectrum and the Lakers are on the other end of the spectrum in terms of proving you can round out a roster with capable pieces yeah um but some of the names I wrote down I mean Jimmy Butler is still kind of sure in play here I you know, he wouldn't be in play for the Celtics, but he could be that kind of second, third guy for the Clippers or the Lakers. DeAndre Jordan is kind of right in that area where, look, I'm not saying you should be throwing all your money at Jordan, but like he strikes me as a guy who might take a little bit of a haircut to play on a really good team at this point in his career. Uh, Rudy Gay is a free agent, played really well last year. Danny Green, you know, something tells me Rondo is going to end up back with the Lakers. I feel like that's inevitable. <laughs> Demarcus Cousins, I have, his value seems to be like fluctuating by ten million dollars every single finals game. <laughs> Tonight might ultimately determine what his contract is. Marcus Morris, Mike Scott, like these are the type of players we're talking would be starting for the Lakers next year. Uh, well, and then of course Carmelo Anthony. Things have been very, very quiet on the mellow front, almost too quiet these last few weeks. It's suspiciously quiet. Yeah, it's been a little quiet. Um, well, a couple of those names just make too much sense that I just can't see Rob Polinko or uh, yeah. or cross them off. Whoever, yeah, I mean like Marcus Morris, like Marcus Morris, ideal. Rudy Gay. Um, yeah. I mean those uh, too much makes too, too much, much sense. Yeah, too much shooting. Um, I don't think Linda Rambis <laughs> is even knows who. Uh, um, wait, who who did you say? Mike uh, Scott. Yeah, I don't think Linda Rambis even knows who Mike Scott is. So Melo's going to the Lakers regardless, <laughs> right? We can. I think that'll be like this year's twelve oh one AM sign. I hope so. I, I really do think that LeBron might not be in on that. Like I just I think that He could it, have made it happen last year. Right. Which I, is I what, think the fact that it hasn't happened suggests that because, I mean, trust me, like Magic would have been perfectly fine right. bringing in Carmelo. Uh so I don't think there were there were a few weeks last year where <laughs> I I would wake up in a panic checking my phone. I was like any day now it's 
it was like LeBron, you know, Melo was telling him like, bro, I'm ready to come out. Dude, you know, it's so, like you're, you're at the, you're at the club. You're like, yeah, I'll let you know how it is. And then all of a sudden it's two or 30. You're like, forgot to text him like, oh, it was lame dude like did you don't want to be here. did you talk to magic like yeah. I, I, I didn't hear from him i haven't like. seen him he hasn't been in the office in four weeks i don't know man um couple other free agency notes quickly before we talk draft kemba walker said today in rather absolute terms that he'd take less than the supermax to help charlotte build around him which i don't even know if it's possible if you look at their cap sheet it's not like they're a Kemba Walker $10 million pay cut <laughs> no, away from not, like they're in no position to I mean, build around. Will him you take five, will you take $5 million? Yeah, deals? right. That's like, what it's going to take here. Like, would you, would you be willing to sign like, for the veteran minimum? Uh, they're just in a bad spot. I think no, they, what, they everything can't. he said and done is like super admirable, but like nobody's going to blame you if you walk. I really think, uh, Adam Silver needs to at some point step in here and move Charlotte to Seattle and, and just take Jordan out. Get of, Lever- like, yeah, get I mean, Jordan it's, out of it. it's how much more evidence do we need that this situation is completely unfixable? That they not not only that they just refused to rebuild these past couple of years and well, handed out some of the worst contracts uh, that have ever been handed out, but the fact that they even want to re up Kemba, like it's you're just signing up for much, much more of what happened last year if you bring right. back Kemba on that contract. So he's turning he'll be turning twenty well, he'll be turning thirty, excuse me, um, right at the end of next regular season. Uh, he's just right on that borderline where, you know, if he was in a different situation, I wouldn't feel terrible about giving him a super max, you know, if you're in a winning type of situation, but this is certainly not that. I've I have some statistics for you. <laughs> uh they are numbers. Nick Batum, $26 million next year. Mm. $27 million player option the year after. Mm. Bismack Biombo. He'll, he'll pick that up. Bismack Biombo, $17 million next year. Marvin Williams just opted in, $15 million next year. Mm. Cody Zeller, $15 million. And then $16 million the next year. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, uh, believe it or not, also opted into his $13 million oh. Interesting. player options. So you're paying at least $13 million next season to MKG, Zeller, Marvin Williams, Bayambo, Batum. And in some cases, yeah. double that for Batum. Well, yeah, but if Kemba only takes like 28 mil, <laughs> then... <laughs> oh, wait, they'll still be like at the tax. They have they're, <laughs> they have $94 million in cap committed right now without Kemba Walker. Yeah. So um, well. there's no way out. I, I think we did midway through the year, we did a debate of like which it would be the worst GM job to take over mm-hmm. like at that time. I think Charlotte has now beat out Detroit by yeah yeah yeah. i yeah. mean detroit has better assets than anything charlotte has right oh, uh so yeah i mean godspeed i guess to kemba but i would be that that concludes our away. hornets talk for the entire yep. offseason yep uh Kyrie signed with rock nation yep or is going to sign with rock nation the knicks and the nets according to Woj, are, are still in hot pursuit of both Kyrie and well, kd the way he worded that was pretty hilarious where it was like yeah Kyrie's probably gonna sign with the nets the Knicks are expected to to still make an offer. Like, okay, well, cool. The, the Knicks so, are going to try to sign Kyrie. So he's going to sign with the Nets. Yeah, so he's going to sign with the Nets. Okay. The Knicks are really going to strike out on all this, aren't they? Man, this is going to be the Amare summer it's, 2.0. It's just things could not be going worse for the Knicks right now. There's kind of this grieving period with KD where I, I don't think Knicks fans are allowed to express their feelings about this. Like, I didn't see any Knicks fans you know saying like i can't believe this happened because everybody was just throwing so much sympathy as they should have toward kd after that game but my first thought right away is like 
you're a Knicks fan, this is the worst possible scenario. All yeah. you needed him to do is just sit out one more game, and you basically had Kevin Durant on your team. I mean, the tabloids definitely talked about it. but Yeah, uh, I saw the, the New York yeah. Post, I think, back page. Um, but yeah, I think Kyrie to the Nets. I don't know who the second guy is going to be. That probably means no D'Angelo Russell. I think it. I, I think Kyrie um, and Jimmy Butler to the Nets is yeah, very that much that seems pretty likely. Uh, I I don't think Kawhi's really in play there. It but that pretty fun. much like like you said though that pretty much means that they are just not going to match any D'Angelo offer. I would think you can't. I mean, you can't have him no, and Kyrie together. No, no. They sh- I I would rather have Kyrie. So then, like D'Angelo to somewhere phoenix phoenix gotta happen (laughs) gotta happen i i don't know they can make they'll make it work i don't know the numbers on that but that's going to happen uh somebody i've totally forgot about because he's not a free agent uh brad beal Mm -hmm. the wizards do not have a gm so i think it's probably made it a little bit difficult to get in contact but he's kind of the other player here where you know with durant going down for presumably all of next year you kind of move everyone up one spot in terms Mm -hmm. of the hierarchy of free agents and, and Beal of course is not a free agent but he's in, in my opinion like just as likely to be moved for the right deal and you know we've talked about potential deals in the past if I'm the Lakers I would still be doing everything I can to get my hands on Brad Beal although if you clear the decks for Anthony Davis there's not right. really any way to do that yeah I love Brad Beal I think uh, there's a chance that whoever well, maybe they don't have a GM because they haven't been able to find a GM who has promised to not trade Bradley Beal because I don't think I don't think you can take that job. Or like what would even be the if you're a GM candidate, a good GM candidate and you're not allowed to trade Brad Beal, then why would you want that job at all? I mean, you you're Two basically words for you, Bobby Portis. You're basically signing up for no matter what, like no matter what you do, trade Bradley Beal, keep Bradley oh. Beal. You're signing up for about three or four years of just complete irrelevance. Well, we'll see. I mean, Dwight Howard's coming back next <laughs> year. I think we, so people forget the, how how much of a difference. Maybe that they made. just go no GM for for a couple of years. Uh, well, the draft <laughs> is a week away, and that that seems to be the plan. They've had plenty of time to interview candidates. Um, yeah, that team, they're in a weird spot too. Like they don't have like the horrible money committed in the same way that Charlotte does. Uh, but it's just they all have, concentrated they do on have well, just in one money. guy. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, they have they have Mahinmi for sixteen mil sure. next year, and then he's done. After that, the only guy they have committed after next season is Beal and John mm-hmm. Wall. So they they basically have all that Charlotte money tied up in one guy, rather than generously spreading it out mm-hmm. to four or five <laughs> terrible contracts. Mm-hmm. They have to trade Beal. Yeah, they they absolutely do. They ha- they have they don't to. have to do it now, but they are going to have to at some point. I wonder if the do you think the Clippers could be sort of like waiting like maybe they don't include everything for these ad yeah. packages but then sneak in and get a beal for something that seems like a steal to us like i, I don't know i could yeah, see that happening. i think so i think i mean could you make that same case for boston or is beal not enough of a draw for Kyrie? uh that's, that's kind of the whole point with boston is you don't want just davis i mean i I don't know what Kyrie thinks of Beal. I think Beal's awesome, but I know Beal and Tatum are very close. Yeah, I mean, I think you do, you do Jalen Brown for Beal if, if uh, I think I might do that either way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'd, I'd, 
I'm very interested to see what happens with Beal, mm-hmm. but um, until they get a GM, I don't know if we can expect it to right. happen anytime soon. Okay, let's do NBA draft stuff. Uh, Zion on his own tier, still at number one. Um, I mean, this is something I've brought up to you a number of times, but it's very rare that one guy takes over the number one spot in like mid-November and just holds it without mm-hmm. really any competition for the entire year. Uh, I think Davis is probably the last time we've seen anything like this, and there's never at any point been a suggestion that anyone would take um, you know, another player, but Zion at number one, the Pelicans can't say it publicly, but everything that they're, you know, putting out there is that they're taking Zion. That's fully what we expect in a week. Morant seems locked in at number two and it, I wouldn't say Barrett is locked in at three, but the Knicks, especially in light of what happened the other night, have, are kind of resigned to that fate. He um, seems pretty locked. He, in yeah. Three. He's locking himself into number well, three. Well, I mean, I, he's, I mean, he said he wants to play there. There's been zero. I've heard zero people speculate that he isn't going to go at three. So while I wouldn't take him at three, I think that he's going at three. I would take him at three. I know. You'd take Garland? I would. Okay. And I would actually – so to me, Zion's in his own tier and Morant's in his own tier. And then that next tier to me is about four guys deep. So I I would take Garland. I think Barrett's – I wouldn't take Barrett, but I don't think it's – uh, horrendous pick i just i don't know well we can get into that yeah. if, if you want i actually had a dream two nights ago that john morant was actually 510 and he'd somehow been disguising <laughs> his height and i woke up and was like was that real and i just checked twitter and found out that he did not in fact shrink five inches um how sure are you that morant's going to be very very good uh i'm pretty sure that he will be i'm pretty sure he will make more than one all-star game Okay, I think that's fair. I mean, they're. I think he's going to be in a really good position. You know, we should we should mention they just hired the Bucks assistant Taylor Jenkins, I believe, and Taylor something uh, as their head coach. So you would imagine they'll start running a little bit more of a four or five out type of system. Um, I think Jerry like, Jackson's kind of the ideal young big to pair with any point guard. Like I think he's uh, got. You know he's he's different from like a guy like Trey Young in terms of just shooting ability, clearly, but uh, similar in just I think he's going to be a dynamic offensive player who is just a complete train wreck defensively. But it might not necessarily matter if as long as he's as yeah. good as I think he'll be offensively. Like he's got different strengths and weaknesses than Trey Young offensively. Like he's um, maybe even a better passer and just a much more dynamic finisher and uh, a better ball handler better hair <laughs> wow. yeah um but i mean he's a complete sieve defensively but to me that still makes him uh yeah the second best player in this draft i agree with you about the defensive points i think his lack of strength is going to get exposed pretty yeah. quickly i do think though he's going to be one of those guys who has like good blocks and steals numbers so you won't you won't necessarily like look at him and say like you know, he's just, you know, sure, Colin Sexton like last year had like one of the worst steal rates ever for, especially for a point guard. And it was concerning with him because he was supposed to be a good defender. I think Morant will kind of have these like, like faux Westbrook, one, John Wall. Yeah. Type even, of, even like Curry yeah. always has great steal yeah, numbers. Yeah. yeah. I think he'll be like a timely defender who, you know, picks passing lanes and things like that. But a, a gambler. You, yes. A gambler. Yes. <laughs> a gambler. I didn't want to use the G word, but <laughs> yes, he will be a gambler on defense and, you know, he'll get. A lot of steals, but I don't think it'll always be in the in the structure of the defense that you want. Um, so basically, the top three we feel like are fairly locked in, which which is pretty rare. And the the options at four, I mean, Garland 
seems to kind of be a, a near consensus there. Um, although I think Culver, you know, visited with the Lakers this past week and that was said to go really well. Um, so in a lot of ways, this draft to me, even given the fact that we have two like super high profile, high upside talents at one and two, especially, and even Barrett, you could throw in there for some people, it does feel a little anticlimactic with a week left. Like it, it just kind of seems like the same guys we've been talking about for the last six months. Like there just hasn't been a lot of movement up and down in the lottery. The entertainment will be. I think after pick three, we just have no clue what's going to happen. And I think there's going to be a lot of trading. So I think that's where the drama kind of comes in on draft night is just the amount of trades and the amount of uncertainty after the top three. But I I'm cool with that. I mean, I I think I, I would sort of describe this draft as a, like I expect about half of the lottery to be complete busts, which yeah. I don't think he would ever really say. I mean, maybe... I think teams recognize that, too. Yeah, it, it's just after... I honestly think after two, I think there's a lot of bust potential, but like maybe after three, like I, I think a lot of the guys that are going to go in the lottery are players where the team's kind of like, yeah, well, we know this could totally not work out, but what are we going to do? Right. Tyler Harrow. Like <laughs> it's, it's, I've said this before. It's reminiscent of 2016 where you had a, a pretty close to a lock in Simmons at number one, a guy, everybody felt really good about at number two in Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then be- below that, you know, it was a surprise when Boston took Jalen Brown three, mm-hmm. everybody thought, I believe they were going to take Chris Dunn. If I remember correctly there, I think there was a chance Murray was in play there, probably who they should have gone with. Obviously, you know, Jalen Brown's been fine. But then, like you said, after that, it's a complete minefield. Bender at four, bust. Dunn at five, bust. Heald at six, pretty good. Murray at seven, pretty good. Chris at eight, bust. Pirtle at nine, you know, whatever. And then Thon Maker, DeMontis Sabonis, Torian Prince, Papianis, Denzel Valentine. You're you're kind of going going like bust, sure, bust, pretty good, bust, pretty good. And then you have to go all (laughs) the way back down to the next, like, good player is, you know, 19 and 20, you have Beasley and Levert. And, you know, those are pretty good players, but, you know, you're not, this isn't one of those drafts where you're getting John Collins at 18. Um, and I think this one's going to shape well, see, up. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think I, I might even like Levert more than John Collins, but. Sure. Um, I mean, Levert was a fine pick yeah. at, at 20, but nobody was caping for him to go mm-hmm. five. You know, mm-hmm. I think that to me, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, you mentioned teams moving up. I think that's going to happen. Well, the teams Hawks, are going to be trying to get out slash down i think right well there's been a lot of talk about the hawks who have 8 10 17 35 41 44 about them moving up i think people think they want reddish so maybe they get up to five or six um if i was atlanta i think i would just keep 8 10 and 17 because i think you could get reddish at eight maybe well there's that and i just think i would rather have three stabs at Mm, i i agree at a player pool that's going bust you know, bust, okay, bust, okay. And like, I just want three chances at it's it. It's totally a draft where you shouldn't worry. Not that team. I think teams are – a lot of the smarter teams at least have gotten pretty good about just forgetting what perceived value of guys is and just going strictly off your board. But, mm-hmm. like, if you're picking 10 and you love a guy who isn't mocked in anyone's top – like 18 you should still just take that guy yeah. and just trust your board and and i mean there's just going to be so many busts in this first yep. round it's going to be insane and they're going to be some pretty glorious busts like some marquis chris level right. busts and well and, if you look at you know at this point in the draft when you're a week before everyone 
you can find a reason to like every player, especially in the lottery. And it's really hard to, to look at a guy, with the exception, I think, of Cam Reddish because of how he played at Duke, and say, I really think this guy's going to be a bust. Like, think of how much we like Josh Jackson, you know? like Well, I, I don't like Cam Reddish that much at all, and I have him as, like, my 11th guy just right. on the 25% chance he's not right. a bust. <laughs> well, my, my point is that if you look at past drafts, you know, very rarely do you say number one hit, number two hit, number three hit, number four, another all-star, like... Mm-hmm one at least one or two or maybe even three of barrett garland culver kobe white brandon clark deandre hunter cam reddish like not all those guys are going to turn out to be good or even average nba players yeah i think there's going to be someone taken in the top 10 who isn't playing in the nba have a, a in like five years. Yeah. yeah oh i think there could be multiple guys yeah. in five years i, I thought you were going to say like two years well yeah i mean i, I think the prob- the thing with like a lot of the guys that are the riskiest is they're also some of the guys with the most pedigree. Yeah. So teams will kind of give them maybe more chances than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you're gonna have a. I I really think this is a draft where the rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer because if you have, like I I sort of trust the Hawks and their um, like evaluation their player evaluation like a lot of the teams that we think of as just really good at at drafting they'll probably hit on their picks and like the teams like the suns who just are always bad at this they're just going to continue to be bad at this because it's a tough draft to to nail the suns just have nba draft.net open (laughs) and they just go right off that every year but yeah i agree with you i think the teams who put in the work and don't and ignore the outside noise of where player x should go because like you said once you get beyond the top four or five you know like nothing nothing is off the table i think there's you can make an excuse to take just about anybody that you want uh once you get beyond those top four um we need to talk about the grant williams situation what is going on here why are people so high on grant williams out of nowhere i really don't get it at all i i when when people sort of you know the one thing that people talk about with him that i think is a good skill that could translate is his passing but every other trait he has is just a kind of irrelevant trait in today's nba it's it's just kind of a very very classic like this guy would have been taken really high 10 or 12 yeah, years this ago is jared Sollinger. yeah i mean there's just oh he's a good post scorer oh he's like really strong like like cool like he 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 can hit like a a 12 footer pretty pretty consistently teams love those 12 footers uh he is sort of he shows flashes of being able to shoot three pointers but like i don't trust him to be able to hit nba threes even corner threes at even like a 32 percent clip and like who can he guard who can he stay in front of uh He's is, like six five and a half without shoes. Is he? He's basically a center. Your center, like, is a, a non rim protecting center? Is he a non stretch four? Is he? I I really don't get it at all. Like, I would just take so many guys before I would take yeah. him because there's at least guys that have skills where you could be like, well, this probably won't work, but maybe it will, and if it does, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I I just you know, I mean, there are people who do this year round and follow the draft more closely than we do i just am shocked i I don't understand 
why he's in the top 20 or in some cases the top 10 on some people's yeah. boards. Um, I mean, he is for, for an upperclassman, he's younger, he's 20 and a half. So I guess, you know, that's one point that works somewhat in his favor, but watching him at the combine, I, it was a joke. Like I, I told you on, you know, on our post combine pod, like I didn't recognize him because he was so short. Like, I just like, Oh, that's not Grant Williams. I thought he was six, nine and you know, he's just, he's too small. I feel like to play the bruising Sean May, Jared Sullinger, Caleb Swanigan, the list goes on type of game that he did at Tennessee. Like it works right. great at the college yeah. level. I just don't, I just don't see how it translates. The like turn, turn jumper or turn Very, jump super hook contested. From, like, eight, yeah. Right. Feet where he gets it over the guy that's about the same size right. as him. It, it's just, he I, has a little bit of a wingspan, I guess. Um, you know, and I've seen, you know, Boris Diaw as a comp. I don't hate that just because of the passing, but you have to remember too, that Tennessee ran everything through him in kind of an old school high post, type of offense you know and that's just not going to happen at the nba level i feel like that comp really uh underestimates just how good of a passer boris dio was i I think boris dio is one of those players like draymond green where i just don't think anyone should be comping guys to that it's it's impossible to quantify how like you're gonna see a boris dio come along maybe once every 30 years like it's just a a fat guy who's really good at passing and is just a genius basketball IQ. I know Grant Williams is smart. I know he's a decent passer for his size, but I mean, to say that he's going to be Boris Dion, that's just such a out there on a limb type of comp. Right. Exactly. I, I I don't, I don't like Grant Williams at all. That's a first rounder. I think second round, if you want to take a chance, go for it. Um, I was trying to think of the last time we've had a situation like this, where there was kind of like an obvious college star, whose game you just kind of wondered like how is this going to translate and i, I kind of came up with denzel valentine mm. and i think he was a little bit more projectable uh, but he was a guy who you know had all those triple doubles at michigan state comes to the combine we find out he's super short and it's like can this guy really be a two in the nba and you know he's clearly faded out pretty quickly not the same type of player but same type of situation you know a guy who was super super productive but didn't really have that nba type of game uh once you took the ball out of his hands every single possession is Boston a team that could end up moving up? They have 14, 20, 22, and 51. Some of those picks could maybe go to a trade for a Davis or a Beal or these other guys we've discussed, but they seem like a team that could have a guy that they really like at like nine and just you know throw a team 14 and 20 and, and make that move. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like they're probably in more consolidation mode, so that would yeah. make sense to turn multiple picks into one pick. Uh, I also think it would... You know, I think they would happily include any and all of those picks in a AD deal. Yep. Um, They're a team that I would trust know, to, to any move and up all of those picks in a Bradley Beal deal. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, they might even get their guy at fourteen too. I mean, I think that there's right. there's guys that are going to be on the board at fourteen that I like more than yep. guys that go in the top ten. So, do you want to go down your big board and just talk <laughs> well, about a few guys? Sure, sure. Well, I do. There are a couple guys I want to. Um, yeah, just highlight the guys you want. We don't have to sure. do a breakdown of Zion. So, like, I I think. Um. So I have Garland three and Barrett four, but I think uh, Seku Dumbuya, who I have five, and DeAndre Hunter, who I have six, are both guys where I could see either of them finishing as, as sort of top three guys in this class. Uh, Dumbuya, way more sort of upside, and you're kind of dreaming on things translating a little bit there. I mean, he's huge. He's athletic. Uh, I mean, the shot looks pretty decent. The shot looks great. Yeah. It, looks, it reminds me of J.R. Smith's shot, weirdly enough. It's very uh-huh. quick. It's very compact. I, I'm 
really struggling to think of like a decent comp for him just yep. because it's rare that you see guys that are that sort of physically imposing and athletic. Right. That Six have nine two thirty. I looked through. Yeah. There's a new site that was just launched um, called like NBA NBA Athlete, but it's all one word that has all the combine data from every year. And I was trying to find a physical comp for a guy who plays like him, and there really wasn't. I mean, yeah. the Morris twins are pretty similar size, but I think Dumbuya is smoother and probably a little more athletic and a little more like ripped than yeah. the Morris brothers. He's yeah, the, his strength combined with that shot is sort of what makes the the comp. I didn't realize really he could tough. shoot it like that, and I don't know how how accurate it'll be. You know, you're watching tapes where he's making every single right. shot, but it looks really good. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the type of guy where, like, if like say a team that really trusted their board like say the hawks or the celtics or someone was picking two or three like i wouldn't even be shocked if a team like that took him two or three uh but like we said like the the teams picking really high are teams that are not teams that are going to just trust their board and and that type of thing um and then deandre hunter is the one where i'm just extremely confident in him being a guy who can play significant minutes in like an NBA finals or a conference finals, like not as a um, third best player, maybe even a fourth best player on the team, but a guy that I think is going to hit open threes and be able to guard uh, maybe four positions. Like, I mean, he's just low ish ceiling, but I think his floor is probably higher than any player other than Zion Williamson in this draft. Yep. I agree. I, I think you put it really well, super high floor, Maybe not super low ceiling, but relatively low. Uh, so the then I have the two Carolina guys, Kobe White and Nas Little, back to back, and I, Kobe White, I could see busting just because I I think um, the low release on his shot is kind of concerning, and I think he he makes some pretty shaky decisions in terms of when to attack, but he's also a guard who can shoot off the dribble and is pretty good at finishing. Like, so there's a lot to like sort of in the modern NBA with him, but I, I am not that confident about it. The hair, obviously. the hair, the thing with him, like he checks too many boxes for me personally, where it's like, it can't, it can't possibly work out. It's too good to right, be true. It's right. like, it's like AC law and Salim Stoudemire. I wanted them to be so good so badly that I almost feel responsible for them busting with like, and then, so the next two guys, like Nas little at eight and then I have Kevin Porter at nine. And like, I just, you, those are guys when we're talking about guys that could just very 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 easily bust i mean those guys could super bust <laughs> like they could just be complete like non-rotation guys in a couple of years porter's uh, on my list of guys that i personally want to do really well which, I, which almost he, always means they'll bust he has uh i you know i think you could arguably say he has even better highlights than Morant or Zion when like, he only played half the season too. yeah we were I, robbed I mean his some of his finishes and just um like step back threes and you, stuff are just so insane uh that like sure he's probably gonna bust but I would still take that player top 10 yeah. and just roll the dice that it, it somehow works he, out he's very clearly watched a lot of hardened tape <laughs> seriously like yeah. he has those moves down to a T yeah. um He's some, he's one of those guys who could end up being a Lance Stevenson type who just mm-hmm. just can't help himself when he gets the ball and has to has to do these street ball moves. Yeah, I, I think to me he's he's like this draft's Malik Monk, not the same type of player necessarily, but you you know you see these flashes that really convince you that it's for real. But you know, can he actually put it together and play controlled basketball for thirty minutes? And he has the off court stuff. I 
he just screams like somebody that a bad team is going to take and it's just not going to go well. Right. I mean, talk about uh, fit being extremely important. I mean, there's like 18 teams where if they take him, I'm just going to be like, oh, eh, I guess yep. that's not going to work. One of the comps I've seen for him is James Young. Love it. Like, I feel <laughs> I feel the same way about him as I felt with James Young. And But the weird thing is James Young went to Boston, which you thought would be right. one of the teams that could develop him. Though at the time, and still now, I mean, they were so inundated with guards that he just kind of sat in the D-League. Right. I mean, he was also, I think, dating Rihanna at the time, which, I mean... James Young? I'm pretty sure him and Rihanna... Um, maybe it was a short thing, but... Um, uh, yes, he was sitting courtside with Rihanna at a playoff oh, game, so that yeah. counts. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's better than I we've mean, done. Better than probably better than turning into a rotation player. So that's that's uh, right up there with Monte <laughs> Morris dating Amber Rose. Um, and then so here's like my first uh, just guy that I'm way higher on than most people is I've I've Keldon Johnson at ten, just because I think he's going to be pretty good at everything, and I think he's going to be I think he's a guy that could play in playoff games like I don't think he's bad enough at anything where he wouldn't be able to play and I think he's good enough at enough stuff where he'll be a value added and he might not even be a starter if if he's on a really good team but I think he he's gonna be decent he's and big he's like sneakily yeah, he's got a, he's, he's got big. a really good wingspan too. I don't understand why he fell off so much like if you looked at a mock draft in December he was in the top 10 now he you start to shot see it him. really well too like I right I mean I, I guess I think people thought he was more of like a scoring wing type and he was maybe a letdown there but yeah, he's not as athletic as i think people maybe hoped and he didn't have like great assist totals or, or great uh you know rate stats defensively necessarily but i mean i think he's just a a guy who you can switch with a guy who can hit threes at a, at a pretty solid clip and just a guy who i think will be very comfortable in his role like yep. part of the reason why i'm really low on rj barrett relative to other people is i just i don't think he's good enough to be the player he wants to be and i think it's going to take him a long time to sort of accept that fact and become the player that he actually is um, i get oj mayo vibes from barrett <laughs> um i i told you the other day that i loved uh somebody's I think it was uh, one of the Dunktown guys had an Evan Turner comp on him, which I which I just love. I love that comp so much. Evan Turner's uh, a great player. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, Evan, yeah, Evan Turner's made a lot of money in this <laughs> Big league. Big 10 player of the year. Um, then I got Cam Reddish, and then I have Jarrett Culver at 12. And, like, we've talked wow. about Cam Reddish. That's just wrong. I just, don't, I just don't get what he's going to be good at in the NBA. I don't understand why people – I think, he's, I think he, the Karis LeVert comp holds up really well. I think he could be – he could be that. And I don't to me, that's he, better than Keldon Johnson. I don't think he has that handle. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. think he has that shot. I, I, I don't. He can't shoot off the dribble, right? Or no, he can shoot off the dribble. He can't catch and shoot right now. Who, who, since when you need to do that? In the NBA? <laughs> like he's, shooting is so overrated. He's not going to be a primary ball handler in the NBA, and not at least not for for a long time. He's going to need to be able to catch and shoot. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a good defender on twos because I think the best twos are going to overpower him i don't think he's gonna be a good defender on ones because i don't think he's fast enough he's too small to guard threes like i just don't i I don't really get it like i think he's gonna be eventually like a solid seventh or eighth man but i don't even think he's gonna be capable of being that in year one or maybe even year two so i i'm way low on Jarrett culver i feel bad because i liked him as like a fringe lottery guy very early in the year 
and then when all these guys just started tumbling down boards and he like just kept doing what he was doing he started to rise because other guys were falling but like if Kelton Johnson went back to Kentucky for one more year I don't think his numbers would be I mean he already was had a better like true shooting percentage than Culver as a freshman if he went back for his sophomore year I think his numbers would be even better than Culver's were as a yep. sophomore so um I I just think Culver's extremely overrated fair enough it's a it's an admirable stance <laughs> I I'm not really gonna fight you on on Johnson I, I think anywhere from like 12 to 20 is fine with him I just I just think Culver has shown flashes that he can be significantly better offensively than Calvin Johnson he's got a good mid-range game like that's yeah. his that's what he's good at yeah I mean the Middleton comps are there too well, the, they comped him on the ESPN's like combine show. They were like the next Demar Derozan, and that's oh that's Is such that good? a that's such a scary comp, <laughs> like comping anyone to Demar Derozan because you would not inv- advise anyone to play the way Demar Derozan plays, no. and he's just so good at it. But he was such a better athlete than uh, yeah. than Culver was coming out. I think people forget like how much of a freak Derozan was yeah. coming out of high school and college. And that athleticism is sort of what allows DeRozan to create the space like in that mid-range game to make it work mm-hmm. and to get to the line as much as he does. And he's also just physically um, much more imposing yeah. to me than, than Culver is. So I just, I'm struggling mm-hmm. to find a comp that, I, that makes me feel good about Jared Culver. So which guys are you irrationally high on? Where you just like, you love them, but you know <laughs> you probably shouldn't? Uh Rui Hachimura, who I have 13, I've seen him, like, falling outside the 20s on, on some people's boards. Um, I feel like he's the type of guy where I think people are just – they've been evaluating him for so long, they've just yep. decided to just pick him apart. Um, and, and I, you know, I think Hachimura might be one of the two or three best pure scorers in this entire class. Like, he's just so – uh efficient at scoring in in a variety of ways and i know that he's kind of a tweener in terms of where where are you going to play him uh he's not uh, a good playmaker but i mean i would just kind of take him and sort of work with what he's really good at i think he's a guy that could guard oh another thing i really love about deandre hunter is that he's the perfect size to guard the players that every team needs someone yeah. to guard like seven two wingspan all the best players basically in the league are guys that deandre <laughs> hunter you would comfortably put yep. on um and hachimura i think i think there's some fives he could guard i think there's fours he could guard uh just so I think, so efficient offensively yep. that I'm, I'm not willing to kind of quit him i think he's got to be a true four slash five in the nba I don't, I don't think that's a hot take by any means but coming into the year i think there was this belief that you know maybe he could handle it and make some plays a little bit but like watching him at Gonzaga like all of his highlights take place like five feet from the rim you know and he's got a smooth shot but people hate that it doesn't have much loft on it but I I kind of think it's just a he's got enough touch that I think he'll Mm -hmm. be able to make his his jumper work the way it is he's Um, another guy like Keldon Johnson where I don't understand what's caused him to fall i think you were totally right that he's just been overevaluated. um and we should say like a lot of people believe he has a promise somewhere in the first round which is why he didn't even show up to the combine Mm -hmm. after initially planning on it but the questions that you had about him coming into next year or coming into this past year i should say were 
Can he space the floor? He shot 19% from three on very limited attempts mm. in his second year at Gonzaga. Then he comes back and shoots 42%. I mean, he only took basically one a game, mm. but I, on that volume, I don't know how you could answer that question any anymore. I mean, he had by far his best all-around season. I, d- I just don't understand, like, if he was a possible top-five pick coming into the season, I don't know what he did to play himself out of that status. I also think he's much more... Uh, like you can project more growth with him than you can the typical player his age just yep. because of his background. Like, I mean, I think he, he hasn't really been playing uh, in sort of a, a structured system for very long at all. And I think if you got him on the right team, there might be some passing to unlock or, mm. or some defensive uh, versatility to, to unlock. I mean, I think – for irrational guys, I mean, we've kind of already hit on some of them, um, like Nas Little, Kevin Porter, but uh, I'm I don't know what to do with Brandon Clark or um, Romeo Langford. Like I have them further down in the like sort of fifteen to twenty five range. Mm-hmm. What do you sort of make of both of those guys? I'm starting to come around on Clark. That's for sure. I mean, the the big knock on him. I guess is the age, you know, he's, I, well, think it's he's the, I think it's the shooting and the, and the wingspan. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's a little undersized. Like he plays bigger, I guess, than what mm-hmm. he measured in at. Um, I think you've thrown out and, and others as well, the, the Sean Marion comp for him, which I, I think is legit. Um, yeah. I mean, the shooting is obviously an issue. He's 23 in September. Mm-hmm. So, you know, developmental wise, you kind of wonder, um, but he, I mean, his, He's not going to be a bad defender in the NBA, he's obviously. Gonna, I mean, really I think good, yeah. he averaged 3.2 blocks a game in college. That's not going to be – he's not going to come in and average three a game as a rookie. But even if there's – even if you project like 50% regression, he's still a I, really awesome shot blocker I as love, a guy who can defend wings too. I love his defensive – like I think I think he could be one of the three or four best defenders in this draft. And I love his versatility. I'm just – my concern is just is he so bad offensively that – he is like a 20 minute a game guy i don't i don't think so i mean the lack of floor spacing is a huge concern but he's a great finisher he's super athletic around the rim i mean can he does he does that mean he's just like a a rim runner like I, it seems he, like it but he's six eight that's the problem does he kind of play the way ben simmons plays when he doesn't have the ball which is yeah just but he doesn't not, have that handle yeah that's that this want. is where the people run into problems yeah, with like, him it's it's tough. I mean, that type of game works really well at the college level. Well, yeah, because he can just like basically finish over anyone when he gets right. the ball in the lane, which he's not going to be able to do. It, yeah. he'll be able, he'll be awesome in transition and stuff like that, and he'll be great at like. He was a great lobs. role man in college. I don't know how much that's going to transfer. Like, he's one of those guys that I worry when he's not the first or second option in the offense. Like, can he can he go out there and still be useful when he's just playing fifteen minutes a night as a rookie? He's a guy too where I think fit is very important. Like he can't be on a team with another big who can't shoot. Like he he needs to be by far the worst shooter on the court for his team. Like there can't be a couple guys like him out there. So yeah. I think that's really important. He, he's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing in Atlanta if they keep both of those picks, maybe use ten on him. I I don't know. It's it's hard when you're not talking about a guy who's a superstar that you have to like build an offense around the guy well, who you're going to take twelve I overall. You know, I saw. Um, I think Sam Vecini suggested the Timberwolves, which would be a, a great fit. I think. Next I think to people Carl think they Towns. might be the team that promised Rui. By the way, but yeah, I mean, 
I, I think that'd be fine. I mean, I think playing him with a guy like Towns seems ideal. Like a really good shooter, like who, like I think a lot of Clark's strengths are Towns' weaknesses in terms yeah. of just like motor on defense and that type of thing. So I think that'd be a decent fit. With, with Romeo Langford, like if you just watch Romeo Langford's finishes in the lane and like in – uh, through contact and stuff you're just blown away you're like this guy's a, a no doubt nba scorer yeah uh just incredible finisher for a freshman but then you watch him <laughs> you watch him like air ball threes and just hard brick threes like he i think he should have come <laughs> back for another year i mean it's gonna be fine like he's not a guy that would have been like the number one pick next year if he comes back but he's still gonna probably go in the late lottery or mid first round but it he's not ready to be a rotation guy for for a pretty good team next year and if he's getting drafted in that 16 to 20 range you know you're talking a team that probably wants to go to the playoffs and Mm -hmm. you know that could end up with him getting buried as a rookie who are who's a guy that you are irrationally high on kind of in oh uh well nas reed obviously really uh i mean irrationally i nothing about like he's for sure not going to be good but i just want him to be good um one more note on brandon clark by the way what do you think about james johnson as a comp for him yeah, that's similar body. Decent. I mean, Johnson's a little bulkier. I mean, Johnson can at least stud athlete. He's a thirty percent career shooter. Is he? Yeah, but I he's mean, been better the last couple. It's of probably years. better than what I'd expect from Clark. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I almost think a better Michael Kidd Gilchrist is kind of that's what not bad. He might be um, where he's just even, his jumper's worse than that. We got even problems. more athletic, kind of um, you know twitchier, yep. better switching and stuff but where it's just all defense basically and um not much offense i mean i i love i love carson edwards i've got him 21 Mm -hmm. and i just i just don't really see him being as good as i want him to be just i mean he's so fun because he's like a short guy who seems really athletic and is has kind of unlimited range but i don't really see him yeah. being that good i it, again you get he looks too cool like it's just one of those guys that i want to be good so badly um i mean the ultimate one is bull bull well i i've I created i don't bull even bull. Want, i don't even want him i've created bull bull on 2k <laughs> so many times you know this like seven three wing slash point guard uh he he did they did just post a workout video i forget what team no he had a pro day that's what it was um well, yesterday and the point i mean he looked great obviously going against right. nobody sure. but the point is that his foot is healed um so if there are any questions about that he didn't look to be hindered at all i i do i am a sucker for uh highlight tapes of guys being horrendously bad defensively and wow. so like i i think he'd be cool for that like i think his uh I've, I've heard people say he's the worst defensive big they've ever seen which is impressive for wow. a guy his size to be that That's... bad defensively well he he's one of those guys too like we talked about morant like bull bull blocks a ton of shots but he does like it's just because he's you know tapping them he's not really moving he's right. blocking guys who are a foot and a half shorter than him like i i just think any nba player could get by and finish yes over or around him with ease based on just yeah his complete lack of interest he does have i hate to even say this he has kind of that like kd handle pull-up ability but i just there's just no way that's going to translate it looks right. awesome when he's being right. guarded by a 6-1 trainer yeah when you see a guy that size just burying like off the dribble threes like it's really cool it's really right. crazy but then like put him just take any any like d league guy or, or a g league guy 
that's like six eight or six nine, and they could just work him. Like he's two hundred and eight pounds. Yeah. Imagine imagine him getting switched out on Kawhi, and Kawhi gives him that little forearm that sent Draymond Green flying into the stanchion. Like Bull Bull would go into the fifth row. I I just somebody's gonna take him, and at some point it's gonna be worth the risk. I I just cannot imagine that it's gonna work out. I feel like he's either gonna re-injure that foot, or there's gonna be major work ethic issues. Um, he kind of strikes me as this he's a more intriguing prospect but this draft's version of Deontay Davis <laughs> yeah. where it's like everything is suggesting this guy's not going to be good but right. it, like some teams just like well we got it I mean we got to try it people seem to like him yeah. that and, I mean that's are there any teams picking like really dumb teams picking kind of in the 17 to 18 range mm. um not be- really no because like a lot of smart teams in that orlando I, at 16 i could see the <laughs> bowl bomba <laughs> oh man i could see like I could see because I feel like that's sort of almost what happened with Deontay Davis, where like um, the Grizzlies were just sitting there and they're like, "Man, why is he still here?" I guess yeah, oh, man. Like I remember having him. Like, I think I had him as like the 14th pick in that yeah. mock, and he ended up going like 33. Yeah, I I could see just a a dumb team just being like, "Well, man, that's great value on Bull Bull. Let's take right. him." Well, I mean, at that point, it's probably worth it, I guess. But to me, I just wonder, like, what is the actual best case realistic scenario for Bull Bull? He's not going to be Durant. Like, if he becomes Thon Maker, is that pretty good? <laughs> a, a, a better, like, he's better at all of Thon Maker's strengths and even worse at all of Thon Maker's weaknesses. Yeah. Well, like, what team is going to hand him the ball and be like, all right, bring it up, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he did at in high school and at Oregon at times? I mean, you, it, you almost sort of would just treat him like Brooke Lopez, but without any of the defensive value yeah and that's a big part of the reason that brooke lopez is really good <laughs> yeah um, yeah so he's he's my guy for you know someone i will be like he's gonna be a league pass guy next year for sure i think my favorite well who's your who's your just straight up favorite center in the draft it's not a great center draft i mine is mifiandu cabin gale ah uh, yes the uh, florida state guy florida state. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I actually, I actually watched a little bit of, uh, that, uh, Georgian Goga Bataze yeah. today. Not bad. He was yep. more impressive than I thought. It reminded me of a more engaged and a little bit more athletic canter. Yeah, no, I, I, um, yeah, he, he's actually, I have him ahead of Kevin Galley, but I, yeah, I don't, um, I wouldn't, I don't yeah. mind him. I mean, guys like that, I, I'm like the worst scout of Euro players. Not that anybody right. no. claims to be great at it, but I just, I don't know how hey, to we really were, compare we these were, guys. We were good at scouting Luka Doncic last year. Yeah. How about that? That is true. Um, <laughs> I don't remember how I thought about Giannis. I I just don't, like, with guys like Jackson Hayes uh, and uh, the guy from Georgia, like, I just don't care. Like, at that, when you're, when you're just a rim runner who's never going to be able to shoot, and it's just like you hope he blocks shots, you hope he finishes dunks. Right. If you're not like, Embiid, I don't care. I just don't like what. Why am I taking you in the top twenty? Like there's yep. a, there's a million of those guys. I don't hate Bruno Fernando. I mean, he's a guy we're talking in like the thirties. Super athletic, super built. You know, there's some physicality that's intriguing there. Um, like his his highs are very high. His lows are pretty low. But at the same time, like comparing him to a guy from Maryland four or five years ago, Diamond Stone. Like to me, Bruno Fernando is going to go in that same range, and he's significantly better, more polished prospect than Stone was. Yeah, I mean, I I'm impartial okay, on Fernando. Fair. Who who is your favorite out of like the 
Cameron Johnson, Tyler Harrow, Carson mm-hmm. Edwards, like shooter, shooter guys. I, I I'm intrigued by Cameron Johnson. He is, you know, like uh, Brandon Clark, super old. He was a, a grad transfer, or I think he was able to leave Pitt when when Jamie Dixon left. Um, I, he'd be a great. His numbers are just he's like a he'd 50% be a great three, three point shooter. shoot like three um three point shootout guy. Yes. Like if and he could just know, go point. call him up from the G League and like have him. Yep. participate in the three-point contest and then send him back down yeah i mean basically what the knicks did with flight white just brought him up <laughs> i think he played for the knicks for like two weeks just so he could do the dunk contest lost <laughs> horrifically um <clears throat> no I'm, I'm with you on edwards like i he's one of those guys i think everybody's gonna root for you know like nobody wants him to do poorly maybe mm-hmm. indiana fans um admiral schofield's another second round guy oh, yeah, i love, really yeah, like i mean the name is obviously extremely difficult to ignore uh lucas samanich i don't know if you got to see him much yeah very good at the combine he's my he's big. i don't like him as much as bitadze or obviously dumbuya um but he's a tougher guy to kind of get a feel for like you you see the other european guys and you sort of know what they are with mm-hmm. him i'm like what position is he like what how does he fit um right where how high would you take dumbuya like, would you really take him five if you're the Cavs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, this isn't a draft where I would second guess taking him high at all. Like, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I'm passing on Kobe White to take him. I'm right, passing right. on Cam Reddish to take him. Like, it's not. That's well, that's not for. Pull the trigger there. I mean, the Cavs and the Suns were two of the biggest losers in terms of the lottery. And the Suns don't need it as bad as Cleveland does. Like, Cleveland has, like, one and a half assets on the team right yeah, now. Yeah. I mean, they, they needed that. Cleveland top three pick. is in full, like, you should swing for the fences like yes, of, exactly. of the guys the high risk high reward guys just take your favorite right. of those guys you could argue that Dumbuya is more risky than Culver certainly more than Hunter but like this Cleveland team needs a star now yeah, they don't. and the last thing this team needs is Jared Culver or or even DeAndre, well, DeAndre Hunter. Hunter well we're like, talking about like DeAndre Hunter is a guy who can guard guys in the finals like Cleveland yeah, is just not no, even no. remotely close to like, being in that situation whatsoever go spot up go spot up in the corner and let uh, Sexton not pass you the ball. <laughs> okay, we'll end on this. Woj just tweeted that Jonas Valanciunas is declining his $18 million player option, uh, but his intention is to re-sign with the Grizzlies. Mm. So, feel like should they re-sign him? Probably should have accepted that, but I would. Think I so. assume. I assume he has a something pretty much worked out with them. Right. You, I mean, decline $18 that. million is a lot for a non-traditional center. Yeah. Or a a traditional center um yeah i would imagine they did they did they like con him and uh declining that <laughs> and like I, I mean especially since they brought in um uh, Taylor jenkins. jenkins like you would think that they just have no right interest in him at all you would think yeah you would think he would want a more brooke lopez style right. center and well I mean, they had that in jaron jackson like right. jaron jackson's like tailor-made for that system as the center tailor-made um Valanciunas said last week that he's he was going to make his decision based on who they hire as a coach. So apparently he personally feels good about his chances to fit in there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Any baseball things you want to plug? No, I'm just still uh, doing that prospect thing. Yeah, just really excited for the draft. This this could be so. Really, unfortunately, this draft falls on my wife's birthday. Uh, I think I'm gonna sorry, Courtney negotiate to be able to watch about like the lottery ish like top 10 ish picks mm-hmm. um but this is a, a decent draft to 
kind of oh, watch yeah. watch the first like hour and a half and then just kind of get the get the get, twitter do, alerts do some other stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's fair yeah i mean we're both looking forward to it maybe we'll chat again uh hopefully i think on tuesday or wednesday of next week just to get one final uh pre-draft pod in and then we'll we'll certainly be back you know as soon as we can after the draft to wrap things up 